Thank you for joining the ESBC Financial and Bidding Podcast. Every meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. The purpose is to make me money. That's the purpose of the podcast. We're not like these lying uh, athletes that say, oh, I went there for to be closer to my family, to be in alignment with the universe. No, this is to make me money, all right? The second purpose of the podcast is to make you money. We don't just give you a fish. We teach you how to fish. We use business and financial concepts. Since I'm an MBA, I have securities licenses. I have to be a fiduciary. What we do is we teach you decision science, technical and fundamental analysis, so you can pick games, right? The third object of the podcast is to educate you on basic mental health. First, mental health first aid kit. My wife's a psychotherapist, licensed in California. So we all have to have a little bit of knowledge, especially these days with a pandemic and everything else going on. Now, we have Hollywood royalty, a man that I've been listening to pretty much my whole life. Uh, my, my generation grew up watching his dad, who was ridiculously funny on the Carol Burnett show in McHale's Navy without cursing. Imagine that. You know, Crazy. he could get his point across and make you laugh without cursing. All right. And his son gave me belly laughs. Uh, in my car coming off uh, getting pissed at business meetings. He, he walked me off the ledge uh, in my car, you know, wondering what did Jesse Jackson say? Yeah. He kind of messed up the George Floyd <laughs> funeral because here comes Jesse Jackson. I'm like, all right, Tim Conway Jr. has new material. <laughs> all right. He's a 2016 Barclay winner. And uh, man, we're, this, is, uh, this is one of those things where, you know, he barely knows me, but I've been listening to him my whole life. I feel like I know him. But we got to conduct the interview. Raider Jim Martinez, who has made me money the last four years with his Raider knowledge, and last year got me on a seven-game winning streak with the Miami Dolphins. Wow. We finished uh, pre-pandemic 41-6 and six college basketball as Raider Jim Started dropping some knowledge there. Uh, we encourage you to listen to all the old podcasts because they're more valuable, the old ones and the new ones, because they're educational. You're not worried about the outcome. All right? So without further ado, let's give it to Raider Jim Martinez, man. How you doing, brother? Thank you very much, Josh. Tim Conway Jr., thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know it's a work day for you, so we are going to keep this concise, keep it flowing. Hopefully entertaining, engaging, and you'll even want to come back and join us during the racing season. By the way, it, it sounds the, the opposite of that. It sounds like it's going to be a long afternoon. That's true. <laughs> hey, uh, when you guys do your podcast, do you ever go back into old podcasts and change, like, the shitty picks you, you made? No. That's no, because we're legit. We're making so much money. We want to give people a good experience. Versus all the chisters are out there. No, you got to go oh, back. Shit. You, know, you can curse on this here. We have okay. the FCC stuff. Let's say you liked uh, the Bears over the Bengals, right? And then the right. Bengals came in and wiped them out. Just go back in the podcast and change it. <laughs> right? Well, I can't, man. Remember, I have securities licenses. That would be a fiduciary. I would get raided. You know? When they find out you're a fiduciary, when they find out you're, um, you know, this, this guy who is, you know, handling tons of money, and you also do uh, sports picks. Do people freak out? No, as long as I don't make any money, as long as you don't give me money for the picks, we're good. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so as long as you do it for free. 
All right, this is okay. great. So, you know what, I'm the world's biggest loser, right? <laughs> uh, I, I literally, I couldn't pick the, the, the first place horse in a duo. I mean, in a, in a duel. I'm the absolute, I'll tell you what kind of luck I have. There was a, there was a horse that uh, Shoemaker was on you know, way back in the 1970s. And uh, my buddy and I went to uh, Santa Anita. We, you know, stole money out of my mom's uh, purse, I think a $20 bill. We took the RTD to Santa Anita and we put uh, a $20 bill on this horse to win. And that was a lot of money, you know, back then in the 70s. You know, back then we'd just make dollar bets or $2 bets. And this horse went off at 18 to one. It comes down the stretch and it's winning by 30 lengths. I'm not kidding you, by 30 lengths. It gets within 10 lengths. I mean, we're, you know, hugging and high-fiving. You know, we're about to make a score. <laughs> this thing does a cartwheel about 50 feet before the finishing line and, and is dead before the next horse wins. That's the kind of luck that I have. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I will say that, you know, having, there's nothing better than having money on a race when your horse is turning the final, you know, final turn and into the stretch and you have money and you got a shot at winning the race. It doesn't matter how much money or how, you know, how little or how much money you have on that horse. When, and you pick that winner, you feel like you're smarter than everybody else. You, know, you feel like you know, you're better than everybody else for a split second. And then you realize that, you know, you're just the biggest, ass, bigger asshole than that guy next door. But I will say that, that, uh, about 90% of what I say on KFI and on the air comes from people at the racetrack. I mean, you cannot be a racetrack fan without have, being a great storyteller. Every single guy who goes to the racetrack can tell you, uh, you know, a hundred stories and every one of them is, you know, funnier than the next. Well, people are going to think this is all scripted and staged because if I look down at my notes, you're leading me right into a couple things. One of them was, I was hoping we'd get to the point where I could share Back in 1980, I was newly married, had a kid on the way, took the lady to the racetrack. I kid you not, in the, I won seven races in a row. Wow. Now, seven in a row, and like you say, but we're talking $1, $2, I got ballsy sure. and bet $5. Tim, by the end of the seventh race, I had enough money to buy a crib and a changing table. So wow. I'm like baby, we got to go. I put the money in my pocket and this guy that had been sitting next to me says, don't leave. You're hot. I'm going to give you a tip. <laughs> I said, what's the tip? And, and you'll appreciate this. The eighth race at Del Mar is always the feature. This right. guy says to me, the feature is a hundred thousand dollar race. Shoemaker's riding. You put 20 bucks on him. You're going to walk away with a couple hundred bucks. I, I can't do it, man. I got to, I got to buy a crib and a, and a changing table. By the time we got to the car, race was over, Shoemaker had crossed, my money was in my pocket, I didn't want another effing dime, but there it was. This guy was just watching me and he says, you kind of know what you're doing, so I'm going to go ahead and reward you with a tip, but hey, it is what it is. But yeah, Shoemaker, I got to see Shoemaker and that was always, uh, always a treat when I got to see him ride. Here's a better ending to that story. So <laughs> the, the guy gives me the tip. And uh, by the time I get to the car, not only am I broke, <laughs> but uh, we had to change the kid on the carpet for the first three years of my life. <laughs> but, but you know, look, you're right. There's nothing, there's nothing like horse racing. Um, uh, you know, gambling is great. Blackjack is great when the table gets hot. Craps is, is pretty cool as well. 
but there's nothing like uh, like horse racing. And and I, and I just wish that more guys uh, stood up to their wives and said, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not taking uh, our our son on this, you know, on tour of uh, on basketball or volleyball or baseball. He's not joining a you know a team where we're traveling all over the United States. Uh, he's going with me to the racetrack, and I'm going to teach him about real life. But yet so, they didn't. They didn't. You know, we missed two, two or three generations of kids that got into traveling sports teams and didn't go to the track. And now I, I can ask you, uh, Josh, and you probably know this, uh, and, I'll, and I'll guess without uh, both of you, without knowing uh, the first day we met. Right. I'm going to say it was dad, grandfather, or uncle. Only one of three people that took you to the track the first time. Who was it? Uncle. Uncle. Uh, Jimmy. Dad. Dad. Okay, boom. Nail both of them. There it is. Well, I'm not 41 and 6. I'm 2 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, uncles and uh, grandfathers and dads, they don't take their kids anymore. You know, they, they for some And, reason, and the trick not. is, when you win betting money, you got to give money to the wife. My wife has not bought gasoline without it being betting money since 2011. Or an expensive or or anything like that. I used to go to a, a bar in, in uh, right near Hollywood Park and handicap right before, you know, before the races. And I, I, it was a small little Mexican restaurant and I, and I knew everybody there. I knew the waiters, I knew the, you know, the bus boys, the guy who owned it, the bartender. And they always asked me you know, for tips, but I never gave any tips because you know, they, these guys work so hard for their money. Uh, I didn't want to give them a tip and then they blow it and I can't go back there anymore, right? Because they're all pissed. So they keep asking me, come on, Tim, what's one tip, one tip, one tip. And I finally said, okay, I said, I like this horse. It's 23 to one, but don't put life changing money on it. Right. Just touch it a little. So an hour later, they bumped credit cards. They took out like, you know, they had a HELOC on it. They had borrowed money from their cousin. They took money out of the drawer. I mean, they, they put literally like $6,000 on this horse, enough to bring the odds down. I think it came down to 16 to 1. This horse wins by 10 lengths. And now, all of a sudden, I'm the hero of this bar. Right? No Everybody, shit. I come in, I can't buy any drinks. There's confetti going around. All these guys are wealthy. So now they keep banging on me for another tip. And they're like, hey, obviously, you know what's going on. Give us another tip. And I said, I, I, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. I can't give you another one. And I, I got to the point where I couldn't go back there anymore because they just kept, you know, hounding me and saying, no, I know you know what's going on. I know it's fixed. You know what's happening. You're an asshole for not giving us, uh, you know. <laughs> and so I said to my dad, I said, how do I get, I said, how do I get, how do I get these guys to back off? They hound me and I can't go back there anymore. And he goes, here's a great way to get them to back off. Get them, give them another 27 to one shot. <laughs> That's nice. Nice. They go on with those guys. Now, speed, you know, another good segue. On your show one night, and I know they've used it as a promo for your show, tell the story about when you were in grade school, third or fourth grade, and you had to do a, a report, and you decided to do a report on the track. Well, to the I, I, yeah, the only thing I could. <laughs> uh, my dad took me to the, uh, I didn't do well in math when I was a kid, and my dad said, where he learned to do math at the racetrack because everything's numbers. You know, everything is, um, you know, uh, numbers of uh, last race, uh, quarter, you know, the, the, the timing of it, uh, the distance, the betting, uh, everything at the track is numbers, everything. 
Uh, how much you pay for a beer? You know, everything is, is dollars and cents out there. Um, also, you know, the morning workouts, they're all measured in time and those numbers mean something. So I went out there, my dad spent, you know, eight or nine races out there showing me how to do math. And I really learned because I was interested in horse racing. That's when I got interested in horse racing and it's all math. So you have to know how to do math. And so he taught me how to do math in one day out of Santa Anita. So I go back to Mrs. Buhai's class in third grade the next day. And she says, okay, it's uh, time for uh, speeches today. Uh, uh, Pam, Wendy, and Tim, you're up today. I'm like, oh shit, I got nothing. I thought, you know, mine was next week or two weeks from now. So I look at my backpack and I have the racing program from the day before. So I take the program out, you know, I'm 10 years old. I take the program out and I show the kids in Mrs. Uh, uh, I think it's Mrs. Buhai's, Mrs. Bernstein's, Mrs. Bernstein's class. I take the, uh, the program out and on the, on the board, I show kids how to box an exacta. You know, if you like the three, five, go five, three, three, five, box exact up. And if it comes in three, five, either way you win, right? So I'm done with this speech <whistles> off to the principal's office. And the principal calls my dad. Fortunately, my dad answered, not my mom and said, you know, it's borderline child abuse to teach a third grader how to box an exacta. And my dad says, let me tell you what child abuse is. He has a three, five, it comes in five, three, and he doesn't have it boxed. That's child abuse. That's fantastic. That is one of my favorite stories. That is great. So personal note, what, is, what are some of your better days you've had at the track? And I understand, you know, you're self-proclaimed loser just like me, but we've had our moments. What, what's your best days at the track? The best day I've ever had at the track uh, was I went, my dad and I went to Santa Anita <clears throat> pouring rain out, right? And when it rains out there, it comes off the, the roof in like sheets, you know what it's like out there. Right. And pouring rain, <clears throat> we're out there for eight races, the horses run in the mud, which they don't do anymore. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's real rainy, they'll shut the, the car down for the day. And we about break even, right? So I take my dad home, drop him off, and I said, hey, I'm going to go watch the, uh, the sulkies, you know, the trotters at Hollywood Park. You want to go? And he said, no, nah. he says, I've, uh, you know, I've had enough today. Uh, that's when Hollywood Park would run at night. So Santa Anita would run during the day, then they'd run the trotters at night at Hollywood right. Park. So I drive to Hollywood Park, and my dad, I'm in the driveway, my dad comes out, and he goes, whoa, 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 he goes, hey, this pick, pick six ticket, you know, this, the, the card that we had that you throw, put through the machine and pull back out at Santa Anita, it's a $12 card. Um, go stick it in. Here's $12. Go stick it in Hollywood Park. Maybe it hits. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a pick six ticket, but you know, the, you put the card in and pull the card out. You get to keep the card and then they give you the ticket. Right. So we go to Hollywood Park. I stick it in $12. Boom. I win the pick six and win $12,000. <laughs> And, and that's the only luck I've ever had with the pick six was what my dad took the card out of the trash can, gave me $12 and said, go bet this. That's fantastic. That's the only luck. The only time I've, I know you're not supposed to touch your face because of this COVID shit. Right. But that's the only luck I've ever had with the pick six. And a security guard walks me to my car at Hollywood Park, you know, and I, I give him 50 bucks uh, because, you know, you know, guys, uh, at that time, you know, the right. seven days, they could follow you home, right? And then all of a sudden, they got the 12 grand. <laughs> yeah. 
right? <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. it was it, it, that's the only real luck uh, that I that I've ever really had with the pick six. I mean, I've won a couple, you know, two or three um, uh, grand on occasion, but I am a, uh, a an absolute certified loser at the racetrack. Here's a here's another uh, quick story. When, when it comes to luck, I was at I was at Santa Anita with my dad. I, I know every story begins like that, but I was at Santa Anita with my dad, and uh, I go to the bathroom and I come back, and I said, "Hey, Dad, don't go in that restroom. There's a guy in there throwing up, and he's also shitting his pants, and he's yelling at a buddy who's in the stall next door, who's about to go make a bet, and he's yelling, "Hey, go make this bet for me. Go make this bet for me." While he's throwing up and shitting his pants, right? So I tell that story to my dad. I said, if you're going to use bathroom, use the one down, down the way because that thing's a mess. And he says, um, he says what was he yelling to his uh, buddy? He was, he was yelling, he's, go bet me this race, go bet me this horse, get out of here, go bet. And my dad's reaction was, uh, who did he like? <laughs> I said, what? He said, well, who did he like? I said, dad, you know, you're, you're only born with a certain amount of luck, right? He's shitting his pants and throwing up at the racetrack. I think he's run out of luck. He's exhausted his. It's like those guys that survived that U.S. Airways, you know, that, um, yeah, U.S. Airways uh, or U.S. Airliner that ended up in the Hudson. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and all yeah. those guys survived, like 154 people or whatever it was. Captain Sully, Sully Burgers, Sully, whatever his name was. And they all survived. Never, ever go to the racetrack with one of those assholes, right? Because they've spent their luck. You're born with a certain amount of luck, and they've spent theirs. Yeah. They survived. They all survived the plane crash in New York City. It's incredible. Yeah, their chance of winning the lottery. Just... It's but... over. It's absolutely over. So I love that story because I love the fact that three people, if you look, at, if you look this up, it's true, three people who were – who were rescued from the Hudson on that plane, were driven back to the hotel, changed, went to LaGuardia, and took another plane that day, that same day. Jeez. Wow. That's the plane you want to be on, though, because who the God. hell would ever go down twice? In right. There you go. What are the odds of that? Yeah, exactly. They go on with those guys. But that is real uh, <laughs> screw it time. You know, he's like, fuck it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll die when I'm going to die. The guy was in a plane crash and then took an airplane the same day. How about sitting next to that guy? Listen to that story. Jeez. Right. Absolutely. That's wild. Wow. That's so wild. With all COVID when, and, and, you know, you told the story at the outset about uh, your luck and, and the horse that did the somersault. On the 21st of June, they had a four-year-old go down at the end of a race over at Santa Anita, and it made it like the 15th horse that went down for the 2020 season. Right. With the shortened season, that's like a clip of one horse a week. Do you think that there's really enough power behind the activists to ever really threaten no. horse racing in Southern California? Well, I shouldn't say no. I should say absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, I was out at, at Breeders' Cup. I don't know if you guys made Breeders' Cup this year. Yep. But I was out there, and there was, on, a, on the Saturday, I think uh, Mike Willman, uh, who runs publicity and marketing out there, I think for the racetrack, he said that they had close to 50,000. I think it was 47 and change. And the year before that, they had close to 60,000. 
And so there's, you know, 50,000 people at the racetrack. There are nine people outside protesting. And who do you think the local news talked to? The nine guys. 50,000 people in the track or the nine guys outside right. protesting? Right. Right. It's amazing. I don't, I don't know what happened with local news, but it's now, you know, one guy with one microphone saying that the cops kicked the shit out of him and they'll interview him uh, and they'll all flock to interview him. And, and uh, it, it's just the, the world's upside down. Yeah, truly, truly. It really is. But gambling takes our minds off of all the craziness. Absolutely. So did you and your dad or did your dad, have you ever made it back to, the, to Churchill for the Derby? You know, I was at Churchill once in 1982, I believe. 81? No, 82, 1982. Um, and I remember being at Churchill. We didn't have like, uh, the, you know, I was going to uh, school up in Ohio at Bowling Green State University. And I, um, we jumped in a car, five of us drove down to Kentucky to watch the Derby. And we didn't have the money to go into, you know, the turf club or the grandstand or anything. We just barely had enough money to sit in the infield. So we get in the infield and we put out a blanket out. That's the only way you can get people to stay away from you, put a blanket out. And a fight starts. These two assholes are fighting. And the fight comes, rolls over our blanket and continues on. And I look down and there's a clump of hair with scalp still on it. Nice. Literally, it looked like, uh, it looked like a, a, you know, a doll's uh, head. So that's my memory of the uh, Kentucky Derby. Jesus. I did business with a guy back in the late 70s. Or, um, no, it was actually the late 80s and early 90s. He was a transplant from Louisville. And he was the manager of a place called the Spindle Top, which was the big club restaurant, which was right across from Churchill Downs. And as you said, as you referenced, you are going to have nothing but characters and stories if you hang around a horse track long enough. Right. This guy was a character, little guy that wore a driver's cap, no sense of urgency in his life, and he knew his horses. Now, I've worked with him down in Southern California, and he would always call me, and he, he talked about Sheldon Leonard. And this, my phone would ring, I'd pick it up, and he'd go, is this Mr. Martinez? And I said, yeah, I got one word for you in the derby, charismatic. <laughs> and I said, charismatic, remember the horse charismatic? Okay. Yeah, well, he said it, charismatic. <laughs> and that's all he said, he goes, I got one word for you, charismatic, and he hung oh, up. Right. Guy yeah. was laughing at me all the way to the bank. He he just scored on it, and that was before there was online betting. I don't know if he went to Caliente or he had a book. Here I, well, online, bet, you know, online betting is also killing the racetrack. Yeah, true enough. You know, but I think something that's missing in society: a lot of our podcast listeners, a lot of young millennials, is the culture. I was listening to you the other night, and you were talking about Rob Reiner, that the horse track kept guys a lot a lot longer they would have otherwise just because the culture and what racing does. Yeah, it was, it was that, well, yeah, when Rob Reiner died, it was Mel Brooks that, um, who goes to the racetrack all the time. And, and he was married to a very uh, successful uh, actress. And when she died, that, that was the love of his life. And when she died, uh, he got very depressed. And the only way he was able to get through it is go to the racetrack every day with his buddies and take his mind off it. And so it, it, it's helped a lot of people uh, in the past deal with, you know, horrible, horrible situations. When you go to the racetrack, uh, you know, you can't 
these tracks are so big and so beautiful, you really can't even see anything else. You don't even know there's an outside world going on. Like Santa Anita is one of the most beautiful, spectacular views in the world. Right. And yeah, that, that culture is not, is not there anymore. You know, the kids didn't learn, uh, you know, to go to the racetrack and, and hang out. And consequently, you know, you can talk to some of these younger kids and they can't tell you a story or, you know, a joke because it's so, everything's so politically correct nowadays. Um, and, and, and maybe it's just, you know, bitter old me, but, uh, but those stories, um, you know, and the characters you find at the racetrack, they're gone, you know, and they're not coming back either. Right. Another question on my sheet. Doesn't it kind of bug you the way it's become a trendy hangout thing? Let's all go to the yeah, racetrack because there's a know, concert on Saturday there, night. Right. And, Last time I went to the racetrack before COVID, there was about was about two or three hundred kids in the stands, right in, in the grandstand area, I mean in the box area. And I said to uh, Joe, you know, one of the ushers I've known out there forever, I said, "What what is this?" It, it, and he says, "Oh, it's a fraternity. Um, the fraternity parties are coming out there now, and you know they're hosting them at the racetrack." And I think it's a great idea. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the perfect place to have a fraternity or a sorority party. You know, it's open. There's something to do. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's you know it's not ultimately that expensive if you don't uh, you know gamble. And I think it's a great idea. Um, but there's got to be a change in in the in the way people think about the racetrack and the news putting on the dead horse stories every night. Not really helping. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you make it down to Del Mar? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I, I don't, the, the problem with Del Mar is, you know, I got to work Monday through Friday. Right. And the traffic, I, I went down last summer to Del Mar and it took me four hours and 48 minutes to get there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I that's the train. I, I, left, I left like at 11 o'clock and I got there in the seventh race. Oh my God! Yeah, but 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 Del Mar Del Mar is one of the most spectacular racetracks in the entire world, and opening day on Del Mar is is one of the great days uh, for people watching, but one of the great days in, in anybody who's into horse racing. It's just full of energy. They got tons of people there. There's a lot of money in San Diego too. People don't know this, but La Jolla and Del Mar. And that Rancho, um, whatever that's Rancho called. Santa Rancho Santa Fe. Rancho Santa Fe. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Tons and tons of money down there. Yeah, you got half of the San Diego Padres live there, about oh, a third right. of the San Diego Chargers. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely loaded over there. Yeah, good racetrack, a lot of history there. I remember as a kid going to the Del Mar Fair, and uh, oh, yeah. my dad pointed out, he goes, okay, now that house over there, that's Jimmy Durante's house. That house up there on the, on the bluff, that's uh, Desi Arnaz's house. And I'm walking through the fairgrounds, and there's truly Jimmy Durante just standing there. Wow. And just, wow. One day I went to the races, and I'm walking up to the gate with Jack Klugman. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just That's walking cool. up, and, and I just looked, you know, said hello and hello. And, you know, he went on his way. But uh, I, th there's a guy that fit in at the racetrack, though. Oh, yeah. Klugman. Was riding. Yeah. Riding. Klugman, and also, um, what's his name from my. Um, uh, eight is enough. The dad on eight is enough. Van Patten. Van Patten, yeah, Dick Van yeah. Patten. Yeah, yeah, yeah Van that Van whole Patton. family. Those guys Dick. are card players too. 
Yeah, the whole family, uh, you know, gambles, and consequently lives on uh, like Sepulveda and Kester or something. Oh, no kidding. Oh, but no, I know, I do, I don't know where they live. But they're really, they, the kids are awfully nice. Uh, Dick Van Patten raised some really, uh, uh, really cool kids. Yeah, poker guy, or are you a poker guy, or do you just? No, because I'm, I'm not that bright. So um, when when you play poker, you got to really know like tells and and remember, you know, what the other person had and and you know his what he'll bluff on and stuff like that. I'm just not that good at it. Yeah. I, I lose, I have a short attention span and it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I don't mind playing. We played a couple of times online with poker stars and then we had Zoom on uh, as well. And that, so that's cool because you can see the guys that you're playing with and, you know, and, and, uh, and play uh, poker is kind of cool. Right, right. Yeah, I have a son-in-law that's big into poker and he, the other day he called me, we were on the phone just catching up and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I had a poker game with my dad and my brother, my sister and somebody else. Next time I'll invite you. We, we ended up playing for about five hours. I thought, good God, don't call me. I do not have five hours to sit on Zoom and play cards. I really five don't. Hours. Yeah, I, I, I got a question for you guys, yeah, right? Sure. Because poker is a game of skill and sports betting has been legalized because it's skill, right? What is because there's no way, Tim, and I've been listening to you forever. There's no way you'd be going to the racetracks for so many years. And the same thing with Raider Jim, right? And Raider Jim's success at the horse track has translated to sports betting. Right. I'm glued to whatever Raider Jim said. So, what are some tips? And maybe we could do another podcast. Maybe you guys can teach me how to bet on horses, man. What, what's the skill involved when you're betting and you're wagering on a horse? Uh, to be honest with you, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> That's it. I really don't. I mean, I go, I listen to a couple of guys like uh, Ted Ziegenbush, who used to be on Coast 103.5. Right. Um, disc jockey. He did the, uh, you know, love songs uh, on the coast. Fine. Oh, He's a great handicapper. Right. And so I take tips from him. But I don't ever pretend to be like a handicapper or I just take tips from at people. You know, it, it, once in a while you look at a horse and you get a feel that, you know, that horse is uh, dancing around a little. Uh, he's not sweating. Um, you know, his uh, ass isn't foaming. Um, and there's a couple of things like that. But you know what? Those tips are all crap anyway because, right. you know, a horse is dancing around. He's not sweating. He's not foaming. Boom. Last. Right, and nobody knows. I mean, uh, you know, Chris McCarron uh, was one of, is one of my dad's good friends, and Chris McCarron, uh, you know, would occasionally say to my dad, "Hey, I really like my horse today." He'd come in eight, right? Chris McCarron was the jockey. He was the guy on the horse, steering that horse and operating that horse. Says to my dad, he likes that horse and comes in eight, <laughs> not second, not third, eight. So, the money. Those guys don't even know. And your dad's not just another guy. He's Tim Conway, man. Right. Head show. How was his skill at the track? <laughs> right. How was your dad's skill at the track? He was uh, good. Huh? My dad actually did have uh, handicapping skills. I, mean, I kind of thought so. He would read the form, and he had like you know fourteen the different The tip shit. The, the tip sheet. English is my second language. It always comes right. out. But the tip sheet, is that any good? Is it, um, you know, the, the one that used to be in there, the green sheet that used to be in the Daily News was pretty good. 
Yeah. But, uh, and the one, you know, that's, they, they just take it out of the racing form and use that. And I think it's pretty good. You know, I, I like it. Um, and some of those guys are good. Like that Baydecker, I mean, that Baydecker had a perfect card uh, opening day at Hollywood Park, I think back in the 1950s, 54 or something like that. I mean, a perfect, he had a perfect card. He called all nine races, winner, place, and show, I believe. I believe he had, uh, you know, the first uh, three horses in every single race. Holy cow. Wow. I mean, that'll never happen again. The odds of that are like the odds of having a perfect, uh, you know, perfect, uh, uh, you know, uh, March Madness. Right. You know, the perfect bracket. Now, I'm a little older than you, so I, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this question. Did you ever make it to Agua Caliente down the other side of the border? Oh, yeah, yeah. Agua Caliente. Okay. We went, uh, it was, it's great because that's real horse racing. I yeah, mean, correct. You know, guys that are, guys that down there, they're not playing, they're gambling, right? Right. Uh, like you and I play, you know, you play at the racetrack, you play right. in Vegas, you play with sports, but you're not gambling. I mean, you're not putting the house on, on the line, right. uh, but those guys are, and they were gambling. I love that. I love that aspect to it. I also remember watching a high line. Remember what the high line? I was uh, just going to say, and when the horse races end, you go over to the high line palace. That's right. And on. <laughs> That's right. And I remember coming back from Mexico and, you know, driving through Tijuana and I got pulled over by a cop because I was going the wrong way on a one way street. And the cop pulls me over and he's, talking to me in like sort of broken English and and he's asking me you know hey you know we can make this all go away for a hundred dollars <laughs> and I had no money on me at all absolutely not a dime and I and I go to see if I maybe have change in the you know, what you're a white guy you don't have any money in your pocket come on man <laughs> I, know. I was in I was in college at the time so I go into the car to see if I have change in the uh, you know the glove compartment or something Right. And I see his partner is in my car trying to take the car radio <laughs> out. <laughs> nice. What a world. We had a family friend when we were growing up, and the gentleman was a postman, mailman. Okay. But they lived in, on, on a hill in the neighborhood, one of the nicest houses at the time in the neighborhood. Come to find out, they had the nicest house like that because he had hit the 510 twice. No. Now, Josh, the 510 was akin to Tim's story of hitting oh, yeah. a pick six, but this guy won it twice. And like in a short amount of time, he ran, he won it like twice in six months or something. Wow. And, and what makes it nice is he was a very, very nice, generous, good man. There right. was, you never knew he was a horse guy. Just one day I started talking to him about it. And I said, I understand you won the 510. And he's like, yeah. And he's just very low key. And then he just sat there and explained to me what he looks at, what he picked. Same guy, though, green sheet and racing form. That was him. Well, wow. do you remember in New York, they used to have the daily number, right? Right. It was three. It was three the numbers. numbers. Racket. Yeah, right. And do and you know where that, that number came from? It was the last three numbers of the handle at Belmont. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where the number came from. So talk about, you know, having the ability to, uh, you know, uh, fudge that one. Yeah, uh, right. I worked at the racetrack. He goes, hey, what's the handle today? He goes, oh, what do you got? Three two eight. Three two eight. There's a lot of that going on. And that's great. And, and I don't get it, but I've been hearing something uh, peripherally about you bet something, right? And maybe you guys can allude to this because they say that's part of the problem with horse racing. 
where you bet something, you win, and you get to the window, especially veterans like you guys, and what you're getting back was not necessarily what you expect. Well, I mean, it used to be, right, that the, the payouts used to be tremendous, and they still are on big days, you know, like, uh, you know, Churchill Downs on right. Derby or Belmont or Preakness. And, you know, you, you can exact that, and it can pay like a phone book. Like the last Kentucky Derby, right. um, I had the seven horse on top, and, and, I, and we won, right? So I, right. I went to show my dad, because my dad was in pretty bad shape. And I said, Dad, look at this. Uh, I got the, I, I was watching with him. I said, I got the ticket. I have the seven. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, 50 across on the seven. Inquiry. <laughs> First time ever a horse was taken <laughs> down. Mm. I have the ticket to show, too. I, I can prove it to you. I still have the ticket. Now, that, that's the story, too, that you should lead in with when people ask, what kind of a horse player are you? That, that really exemplifies your luck, right? It's yeah, I mean, that's how that's how shitty my luck is that I can't even remember the crappiest story. And was it Thompson Thompson on your show that had the story about his race ticket? Does one of your guys had a story and it was like an amazing story? It was same same type of thing, or maybe his was a parlay ticket. No, oh, I, Mark tells a great story. Uh, you know, he used to be a a real big uh, online gambler. Yeah. And you know how what it's like when you call in a bet, uh, you know, they say, uh, what's your number? And you say, uh, 438. Okay, 438, who do you want? I'll take the Redskins. Uh, and then they repeat the bet back to you to make sure they got the right bet. And he goes, okay, have a nice, uh, have a nice day, 438. But they never use names, right? In case anyone's listening to it, they never really use names. So he, this is what a degenerate is. He calls, <laughs> he calls up on, on Christmas morning. <laughs> to make a bet on the Cowboys on the early game. <laughs> the guy picks up and goes, uh, how can I help you? He goes, uh, it's 438. He goes, oh, Merry Christmas, 438. <laughs> That's great. That's no, I personal. like that. Merry Christmas. And, and Merry Christmas to all the other 438ers around the house. <laughs> Did you take your daughter to the track? Yeah, I, I took her to the track. She, uh, she loved it for a while. Um, and uh, then she sort of grew up and realized there were no kids there her age, and uh, that was over. Yeah. yeah. But but I, I grew up, you know, around the racetrack, and I and I remember I, I have a videotape of her somewhere around the house where she was like four years old, going, "Come on with this three! Come on with this three! Come on with this three!" It's <laughs> like her first words she ever said. Come on with this three. <laughs> Los Al, do you ever get down to Los Al? Uh, I do. I love Los Al. Los Al is like... Uh, That's a classic track. Oh, uh, it's a really old, classic, uh, you know, track. It's been beat up a little, but I like that. I really like that. Yeah, when you go down into... When, they, uh, when they're they putting the jockeys up and you can get so close down there and you can just stand... Oh, that that's that's real horse racing right there. It's good stuff. Yes, and I love the fact that... Well, I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been there in about a year or so. <laughs> but I love... And, and if... People who own or run LoSal are going to think I'm, I'm uh, bullshitting them here. I love the fact that every single box has their own TV set. Nice. Right? Yeah. And every one of those TV sets is broken. That's every one story. of them. There's not a single one that works, and I love that. I love just the, the attitude of, you know what, fuck it. It, it. it is what it is. It doesn't work. We're not replacing it. No, I've never been to the Morongo room. Does Morongo have a good horse room? 
You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I know that, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I, when I go to Morongo, I usually just play the, uh, you know, the video poker or um, uh, the tables. They got a great pool, though. Dude, and they got, and they got 65,000 square feet of new casino, plus 800 slot machines, three new bars and two new restaurants. All the rooms have been renovated. And they're really into hand sanitizer. They take your temperature when you get in. And, they, oh, I'm sorry, that was a library. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Mances, you're a luminary. I, I hope they get to stay open what? because I got, I have a brother-in-law who, uh, he was one of the head banquet guys and has not been able to return yet. Where, at Morongo? At Morongo, yeah. Yeah, he used to do the, he was the guy that was in charge of the brunch with the Beatles that's, uh, that the rock station does. Okay. And I'll tell you a quick story about that. <clears throat> they, they used to call it Breakfast with the Beatles, and it was a morning show on our station over there, KLSX. And uh, a very nice lady, a young lady named Deidre Donahue was the host of that show. And I'd run into her occasionally during the week. She was very, very nice, very young. She was probably about, I don't know, 35 or 36. And she would get there an hour before her show, and she would do 9 a.m. to noon every Sunday, and she'd play Beatles music. Well, she wasn't there at 8, 8.30, and the show started at 9, and she wasn't there. And they called her cell phone, and she didn't answer. So somebody went to her apartment, got like a welfare check, and she was dead in her living room. And, wow. and just out of you know, so Jack Silver was the program director, um, you know, was, was really distraught and, because he really liked her and, and she was just a great employee, great, great, she had great stories, loved the Beatles. Before her shift was over, right, before noon, Jack Silver, the program director, got three calls saying, hey, I'm sorry that happened, it happened to uh, uh, Deidre, you know, I'm a big Beatles fan and uh, I got my own records, maybe I could um, slide in there temporarily and take over for it. Isn't that disgusting? Wow. No kidding. People. <laughs> Before that shift was over, like, well, she's gone. How about me? <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Oh. Now, Illuminary as yourself, right? Hollywood royalty, the experience you've had on your show. You're one of the few guys who can figure this out for us. And Raider Jim's the same way. What do you guys think? Like sports betting, right? I'm betting it's going to be in California legalized in 2021. But how are the, the Indian guys, how are the assemblymen, and how are the racetrack guys that you guys know going to be able to get along and come up with a, a system that will work and everybody makes money? You know, I, I don't know how they're going to they're gonna work it, but they've got to do it soon because people are gambling online. That money is going away anyway. Right. So why not, you know, uh, tax it and have a new revenue stream? Because this state, I don't know if you guys know, right. they're broke. Right. Uh, they are $54 billion in the hole. And now they're going to start cutting school programming. Right. And so they're going to look for money anywhere they can. And I'll bet you sports gambling piece of it too i'll bet you within the uh, within 12 months it's available everywhere yeah suddenly 21 guys saying 500 million dollars in tax revenue for california but you look at new jersey they had what a billion dollar handle before college basketball wow. and together with uh the 22 states that legalized in vegas it was up right. to 2.5 billion dollar handle well look i mean you can't i can't watch a baseball game um other than you know the dodgers without having money on it i mean right. you know I'm not going to sit there and watch, you know, the A's play, you know, the Cardinals. I mean, who gives a shit, right? Right. But if I had money on the game, I'm watching it. Right. It, yep. it works for everybody. It's great for ratings. 
Right. No, yeah. we got a whole page dedicated with our guy uh, who's obsessed with baseball. Right. He breaks down every single team, but from a betting angle. Nobody else is doing that. Teams that are lousy bullpen, that right. you can do some in-game betting and get a good number and win. And uh, he, he said, take the Dodgers over 37 because we were listening to your show the other day. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yes. I like that. I like that number, too. Uh, I like over 37. They can get on a hot streak and win 20 in a row. Right. They were 40 and 19 last year. But they, right. they got a really uh, deep pitching staff. They have great pitching. And these guys, um, pitching is going to dominate now because, you know, the, the guys who are going to get up there and try to hit these balls, they've been on the bench for six months. And most of them have just been partying or just staying right. at home and probably not out there, you know, taking live pitches. I think there's going to be a, t a ton of shutouts, maybe even some perfect games. But I love that number, that uh, 37. Uh, I love the over on that. Yeah. Over, under, overall season betting like that, how do you think personally, not the whole industry, but from you personally, how do you feel about betting the games when it's the reduced season, the well, different in personnel, different rules, things like that? I, I don't like betting the over, under on a season because, uh, again, I have a, a rather short attention span. Yeah. And so in horse racing, the horse race is usually a minute or two, right? Right. Maybe, maybe three at the most on the mile, mile and a half. But um, if you're going to bet the over on a season, you got to wait three months to get paid? Right. What, you just to double your money? Get out of here. Yeah. It's just yeah. too long. Way too long. It's like as soon as the Super Bowl's over, they're already giving you the uh, the futures for the next year on who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's right. going to win the AFC. What I, I love the futures, and I think people uh, almost you know cleaned up and really took a, a huge bite out of Vegas if those uh, Vegas Knights would have won and won the Stanley Cup in their oh, yeah. career season. Wow, they came they came within four three games of doing it. It was, was a year that, ago. Was that I was a quarter one series final uh, in uh, it was uh, Washington, Vegas, four to one. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't bet hockey because this is guy uh, Bernard Wolfman, an apparently wealthy Jewish lawyer mentor of mine, and he, we bet every sport. But he's like, Josh, if you bet hockey, you're a degenerate. So don't bet hockey. That's why I never bet bet hockey. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some money to be made in hockey because every single. Every single home team is usually a point or a point and a half favorite, even even on really shitty teams. Right. And so you can make some money on a on a on a hot road team coming in, and and all of a sudden they're the underdog. It seems like you have <laughs> couple bucks. <laughs> I could watch. I little. I could watch the you know the the Bruins play the Rangers or you know team two teams right. play that I've never seen before because uh, I love the game of hockey. But right. It's going to be so great once uh, betting is, is legalized. And I'm really surprised that it's not yet. I know it, it, a few states, right? New Jersey, you said? 22 states. 22. 22 states have legalized sports betting. And about oh, another God. 20 is going through the state legislature. California is one of the ones that are be lagging behind. But, hey, $500 million. And that, I think that's a low figure for as far as the taxing. Oh, is I think it's low by tenfold. Yeah, and you got to you got to do it right. Uh, twenty one out of twenty two states have done it right. You have to not have a mandated uh, minus one twenty. You got to allow. We got to get these liberals banned. No, let me stop my rant. But they they, they got to get off our taxes. Only tax at ten percent, and you have to allow people like they do now 
to uh, the losses be able to deduct it off your personal income. Wait a minute, they're, they're taking a dime uh, for taxes? I forgot what liberal uh, Bernie Sanders uh, state it was, but it was somebody like uh, Massachusetts. What are, they, what, are they, what are they currently taxing it right now? Right now, uh, gambling winnings are at the same thing as the capital gains tax, 25%, mm -hmm. right? But you can deduct your, your losses from your winnings. Sure. So you, you can always tax. Right. Now, one state saying, no, you can't do that. So we got to watch these guys in California. Well, if that's the, if, if, if whatever state's not allowing it, people will just go online and bet in another state. They're not going to, they're not going to pay. Right. They're close to Foxwood up there. So they'll just cross the, what, Cuomo, actually, that's probably what Cuomo was talking about. People crossing uh, state lines to get a better number. <laughs> because they, they have a sports exactly. betting bill that's going through uh, the state of New York as well. Josh, you're a numbers guy, right? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm going to show you something here. Let's say uh, this is going to kill horse racing. Can you see that number? 10 million, right? Is that right. reversed? No, I can see it good. No, okay. it looks good. That, that's $10 million, right? And they take 24.5% out for trifectas. Now, this number can, is, is conceivable on Kentucky Derby Saturday. Right. For that amount of money to be bet on trifectas in the first race, that's very, very possible. So if you multiply that, multiply it by um, 0.745. So, right, so that, that would essentially be uh, a 24.5% takeout or 25.5%, right? It's around that. It's very close. And then, so that equals 700,450,000. So, $10 million went into trifectas and the track paid out 7,450,000. They made 2.5 million on one race. Got now, it. if you do this over the 12 races of the day, right? Everyone puts their money back in. So that's one race, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. After 12 races, $292,000 goes back to the players. The track has the rest. Jeez. That's the that's one of the problems is wow. the huge the huge out the you know the, the, the money they take out right. Imagine Big the money that well, Breeders Cup weekend. Can what are the dollars? Do you got that? You are better than math than you want to claim. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, Breeders Cup is about the same. You know, it's, it, yeah. there 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 are some pick fours that have short uh, you know takes on them. Uh, there's a fourteen percent. But most people don't know that. Most people aren't into, you know, how much they, they take out of the, uh, you know, how much they, they take out every day, but it's, it's too much. Right. It's running, so you're, running, it's running uh, horse racing into other states where they don't take as much. What drove the state to uh, pull the plug on simulcast betting, betting at, at, uh, at Santa Anita on the 1st of July? I, you know? You can, you, you were able to bet. No, they shut it down. There was a matter of fact, because I was writing up the rest of the notes yesterday, and there was a thing on the news, I could have sworn what it read was, state of California has said that uh, until further notice, simulcast betting Santa Anita closed. And when did that happen? Yesterday, July 1st. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, um, it, it literally, they would have to have, you know, if it, I, I went there uh, the other day, I went there on Sunday, and there are literally nine guys there. Oh, okay. So that's and what drove it. Okay. So the problem was, you know, to bring in security, turn the lights on, have the tellers there. There's yeah. nine people. 
And yeah. so they just shut it down because they, they weren't making any money. Got it. Okay. Plus, they weren't, they're not selling any food or any drinks um, because, you know, they, this, the county won't let them do it. So it's just literally, it's nine guys in the dungeon all coffee and getting kicked out because they're all, they're all COVID. <laughs> they all got underlying conditions, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all a mess. Jesus. That's what trackers are. A mess! So you know any of the horse guys and how they're actually, you know, on the inside, how are they actually reacting and responding to the whole COVID thing? Is it just like a, a shit show like it is for the rest of us or? You know, they're, they're pretty cool guys. I know Doug O'Neill, um, yeah. uh, who's a, a great trainer. And, you know, they're, they, they're losing a little business, you know, but they'll, they'll move their horses around. They're now at, at Low Sal, where they run, you know, two cards a day, which is pretty cool. You know, they run the thoroughbreds. Uh, at uh, during the day and then uh, run the you know the shorters at night, but um, it, it's it's tough on everybody, you know. I mean, there are I, I think it was Bob Costas that said this pretty early on. He said there's only two types of people in the United States right now: people that have to rearrange their schedule because of COVID, and people who are fighting to stay alive, you know, psychologically, physically, financially. And if you're in the the former group where you just have to rearrange your schedule. You should really shut the hell up because there's a lot of people really hurting right now. Right. And if you notice that all the people that say we have to stay at home to beat this thing, they all have jobs. There's not you know one single unemployed guy telling you to stay home. Everyone's working and saying, hey, you know, I, I got a job, but you better stay home. Right. It's, crazy. it's crazy, Jim and Josh. I tell you, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I will tell you, it's, I'm looking at my clock. I told you I keep one eye on my notes, one eye, one eye on the clock. I cannot thank you enough for the time you've given us. To all the listeners out there to the ESBC podcast, once again, our special guest, we're so proud to have him. Thank you very we're much. real close to inking him to a return appearance. He is the, the <laughs> franchise tag player for KFI Radio, AM640. He is the top guy on the roster. Tim Conway Jr., thank you thank so you. much for everything. I'm going to reach out to you. Before Monday, I'm going to shoot you the opening, some of the opening races for Del Mar. I'm okay. going to do a podcast for Josh next week. Need some Tim Conway picks when we do these. Yeah, what I need is uh, some uh, uh, picks in the NBA and uh, uh, gotcha. baseball. Well, we oh, got yeah. You. We, we got, got you, man. All right. I know you guys want me to wear this mask. I'm sorry I didn't during the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, because of all these shysters out there and what you just said about Costas, one of the main things is I do not want another Raider Jim, anybody to get ripped off. We want them to have a methodology to be yeah. able to pick their own games. And if they can't, we're going to have a live spreadsheet on Twitter where people can follow our picks. Oh, that's great. Right? Because all these guys are 20 and 0. Well, let me see you being 20 and 0. Let's be this, transparent. Right. Is this the same Raider Jim from years ago? Yeah, probably. Wow. Quite a reputation. Fellas, uh, nice to meet both of you. Uh, I'm Likewise. glad you have done this. And um, I will never do it again. You're too generous. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I would be remiss if ding I dong with you. Ding dong with you is how I was going to end it. I will be listening tonight. Again, thank you very much. We hope you'll join us again. All right. And send me the uh, link. We'll promote it on KFI. Thank you so much. I'm just right, right, right. We always close with Winston <laughs> Churchill. In the line of Bob Costa. Yeah, fellas. Winston Churchill. We make a living from our labor, but we make a life from what we give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Betting and Financial Network. I'm the best.
Durant. 